Welcome to Mindful Talk, brief conversations about mindfulness in the workplace and at home. I am your host, Lauren Wessinger. And I'm your host, Misty Anderson. And this podcast is brought to you by The Mindful Project. The Mindful Project helps you elevate the culture of your business by bringing mindfulness practice to you and your staff through in-person and virtual learning. Contact us through our website, themindfulproject.co, for more information. Welcome to Mindful Talk. Today's episode is on overwhelming feelings in our children. Hi, Misty. Hi, Lauren. Good to see you. You too. How are you today? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. We had some overwhelming feelings in our home last night, and it sounds like you did as well. (laughs) Yeah. What happened at your house? All right. So we had a crazy storm here where we were driving out west about an hour away. We drive an hour for basketball practice at this stage in his sports career. And there was maybe a hundred lightning strikes that weren't going across the sky, but were thick, bright lightning hitting the ground every time. And we're driving and I was kind of fine. I'm like, all right, an electric storm, whatever. And my teenage son was like, uh, we're not going out there, are we? And I was like, oh, wait, he's having a moment. And I said, I don't, I think it's fine. We're in the car. He goes, can lightning strike the car? It's like, yeah, but we have rubber tires and, you know, but it's so super rare to have lightning strike. I said, Google it. It's like one in a million, you know, and long story short, we ended up turning around and coming home and we were in the car and I said, can you tell me how you're feeling right now? And he said, I'm feeling really exposed and anxious, which in my mind meant unsafe, which in my mind meant he was having a bit of a traumatic reaction to the storm. About five years ago, we had a tree fall through his bedroom Uh, in the middle of the night from a little tornado in our neighborhood. I remember that. Remember that? And he's having some post, some like child PTS in a way from it. Bless him. I know. And breaks my heart for him. Right? Yeah. And PTS is anything that where the stress lingers for longer than a month or so. And so he was having this feeling. And I said, look, awesome job naming it, getting the kid to name how they're feeling, name it to tame it. I think that's Dan Siegel's um, clause, name it to tame it, number one. And then number two, get the child to, to open to a sense that's neutral. So I said, okay, look around outside, name silently to yourself, 10 things, just objects like tree, car, sign, stoplight. So we did that for about a minute because that tells his brain, survival brain, that there's actually not a threat. And so he took a minute or two to name some things. And I was like, all right, how are you feeling now? And he was like, better. He's like, I'm, I'm okay. I'm feeling better. He goes, I just don't want that storm to come toward our house. <laughs> I was like, fair enough. And he really got through it with those tools. <sighs> He's so lucky to have you. Oh, and whoever marries him, <laughs> lucky, lucky. Um, that's that's so amazing. He's he's really a gifted kid that he can recognize those feelings and that you've um, instilled that in him. That's great emotional awareness. Mm-hmm. And ugh, and I have such I have I'm like that with storms also too. I watched a bunch of people get pulled out of a cellar like by a tornado and lifted up, and they Whoa. were pulling. Yeah, it was when I was eight. And oh my god. So if I 
people are like, oh, look, it's stormy, great weather. I'm like, mm, I need a seller stat, you know? Um, so I know those feelings and it's it can be really overwhelming for kids because I experienced that too as a kid and then into adulthood. Wow. So I'm yes. really glad that he has tools now because I mean, storms aren't going anywhere, especially if you're in Texas. Totally. And I will say, you know, the path of mindfulness with him has been very windy. It has not been a straight line. It has been sometimes great, sometimes annoying. Sometimes we just don't even do it. And, you know, but it's been years and years and years and all of that to say, even the little bit that we do with our children as parents over time accumulates, you know, I do this for a living and by no means am I doing it correctly or well or perfectly or any of that or all the time even, but it's been the accumulation over the years that has, that has made him able to name how he's feeling and then even be receptive to me teaching him because at first there was this resistance and it was lame and dumb. And, but now we've moved beyond that. And he's receptive to me, even sharing that with him, which, you know, to a strong-willed kid is huge. <laughs> I also have a strong-willed kid. She is gone through that phase. Like she loved yoga and practicing yoga with mommy and then learning mindfulness. And she was great. And then she hit like five and she was like, eh, I don't really like it anymore. And then when she got to be like seven, she was like, Ugh, everything you do is disgusting. And just recently, it's like she, I don't know, she just all of a sudden decided that she was going to listen to me on some things. And she asked, like, I told her, I said, honey, you're going to have to, the only thing I can tell you is take a breath. And she did it. And, and I was like, oh, well, look at you. And so she's just been more receptive lately to like those little bitty guidances that I can give her. But like you said, I've literally been working on that since she was tiny. And it's little, I think of it as little small bank deposits. Like, you know, you're just depositing it in and sometimes your money gets spit back out at you, um, but you just got to keep going with it. So kudos to him. Okay. No. So here's what happened to me. So I get a call. Ella tells me that she's kind of feeling, she had some cough and I'm like, oh, is it the COVID? You know, it's what the first thing everybody thinks. She's like, no, I think I said, I think it might be allergies because everything's blooming and it was creating some <clears throat> in the back of her throat. And I said, other than that, you're allowed to go to school if that's your only symptom. So she goes to school and at 930, I get a call from the school. And of course, I mean, you know, if you're listening to this and you get a call from the school, it is like one of the top worst feelings there is. And instantly I thought she's sick because of what happened and yada, yada. So I get to the nurse and the nurse is like, Miss Anderson, she's um, a little foggy acting and she seems kind of dizzy, she's saying, and she's very, very shaky and her heart's racing. And I was like, oh, I said, she said, if she's dizzy, I really feel like you might need to come get her because I don't want her to like fall over and hit her head or something. She said, she's definitely not acting like Ella. I got in the car and zoomed to get her. And when I got there, she ran up to me and she's not my emotional, like outwardly, like crying person. She ran up to me, shoved her face into my stomach and just started bawling. And I rubbed her back and I said, come on, honey, let's go to the car. And I just was trying to get her to the car. Once I got her in her car seat, she full on was like, mommy, I can't breathe. I can't breathe. 
I'm going to, the teacher doesn't know where I'm going and, and I'm going to get in trouble and nobody knows where I'm at. And she could not take a breath. And she's like, and I don't feel good. And I think I'm going to throw up. And it was so many feelings that she was having at once that it literally created a panic attack in my little seven-year-old. And thank goodness I have tools because, and this is why you must practice mindfulness to be a parent first, because those tools come from you. Um, And so I just went to breathing first. I was like, okay, hand to your heart, honey, hand to your heart. And I'll put one on your tummy because your tummy hurts, right? And I said, let's breathe, let's breathe. And I got her to a place and she was like looking in my eyes and breathing. That's how scared she was. And she said, okay. And so I said, let's get in the car and let's get home real quick. So I raced home. I got her in. I said, let's go inside and listen to one of your new audio books. We laid down. I rubbed her back. About 30 minutes later, she rolled over and said, I feel better. I said, you do? And she said, yeah. And I said, were you just kind of scared? And she goes, I didn't feel good. And, And I didn't tell anybody what happened. And I was sad to leave school. And I said, so you just had a whole lot of emotions at once, huh? She was like, yeah. I said, that's scary, huh? She said, yeah. And I said, so that's why mommy always talks about her breath. And because it's the one thing that's always with me that I carry all the time that I can take control of. She was like, yeah. And it was really seriously like my seven-year-old was like, ding, I gotcha. Okay. That was really overwhelming. And the only thing I could do was breathe because I couldn't breathe, you know? And she said, that was really scary. She was like, I couldn't catch my breath. So then we worked through it. And so now she's home from school and then post I fell apart because of course. So I called the pediatrician just because I was like, holy cow, like, is there something we can do to help her? Like, I don't want my kid to have to be worrying about anxiety at age seven. And she said, it is very common when kids, she said, especially now, because they're in this, it's sad, kind of fight or flight. They think that school's just going to be taken out from underneath them. It makes me Mm. cry. (laughs) They think the rug's going to be pulled out. And so they're constantly like, you know, is this it? Is this it? So leaving school is like a, a trigger. And she said, you know, Ella's enjoying school so much. She's thriving. And so to pull her out, she didn't feel well. And then those emotions tacked on top of it. She said, that's not a sign of her having a lifelong of it you know, of anxiety, it's experiencing overwhelming feelings, which can create panic and which creates what we call a panic attack. And she was like, what you did was exactly what you should do. That made me feel really good. Yeah, Um, And she said, the breathing is sometimes the only, you know, if that happens and you're in your seat and you start feeling you're in a classroom and you start feeling like the heaviness that comes with that and you know, in your head, okay, I got to take a breath that can be your lifeline. And so my pediatrician agreed with it. And she, she said, you know, obviously you keep a, a mental record of, does this happen often? Or is it just a one-off? And so now I'm like hypersensitive to, you know, how she's feeling. And so I've actually been asking her more, um, just, are you feeling, tell me how you're feeling. And she doesn't seem annoyed with me anymore. Like she seems like she's more receptive and it's almost like we worked through something together and 
now I'm on the flip side and it was scary and awful. It was really awful. Um, <clears throat> but I'm almost kind of glad it happened because I feel like her trust with me in regards to the actions, I'm not just telling you to take a breath because you're annoying, you know, like I'm trying to help you understand that you can get to a better place and we can have a conversation and you can probably get what you want. And that's what I always tell her. I'm like, if you have a conversation with me about it, then we can probably, you know, move forward with what you want. And so I think it's like a little bit of trust I gained. Yeah, I think that's awesome. I feel like it's, it's what you said where you're almost grateful that it happened because the way that they build resilience is not when everything's cool all the time. I mean, we want the best for our kids, but, but we can't protect them ultimately from anything is the real reality. You know what I mean? But what we can do is, is teach them ways to navigate the world where they know they have a safety net, which is us. And that they can trust their own mind and body to get through anything with the tools that they have. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and it's when they have an overwhelming situation or something really big like this happen. And they know that they are completely safe with their caretaker and that their feelings matter and that they don't have to stay in that place of pain situationally and that you will come get them, get her, you know? That's what's really, it's called neurocepting safety. And that is, as they get older, going to help them feel safe in similar situations. And so, yeah, it's hard, but I, I'm totally with you. I'm so grateful for these opportunities that we get to go through as a family. And, and I think these are the moments, you know, these yeah. are the parenting moments that really, if we have to say it this way, make up for when we yell, you know, or when we overreact at something. I agree. I, so another, this just literally happened yesterday. So Ella didn't, Ella's bus came and then Ella didn't get off the bus. Oh my gosh. Okay. So all parents listening, your kids does not get off the bus and the bus drives away. And you're like, <laughs> uh, where's my kid? So I instantly, I mean, oh, I called the school. And so mind you, I've got my four-year-old with me. And she is almost five and she is hyper-focused on my reactions at all times because she just like mimics everything. And she's like, mommy, where's Ella? And I'm like, honey, that's a great question. In my head, I'm like, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God. And I'm trying to just be as calm as I can so that she's calm and the school is contacting the bus service and yada, yada. And like 10, oh minutes, 10 minutes goes by and they get a hold of the bus driver. There was construction in our neighborhood and the bus had to reroute. And when they drove by our stop, they were flip-flopped. They were turned around and Ella didn't realize that that was her stop. And so she didn't get off. So she's jabbing her way with her friends in the back like she does. And the bus driver wasn't paying attention and then got like four stops away. Well, now they're stuck in neighborhoods and you can't just back a bus up in the neighborhood. So they found her. It was like... 15 minutes of sheer panic oh, horror. And when she got off, she was really embarrassed. And so it took a whole lot of mindfulness on my part to switch the narrative and think how I would feel in her situation. And she got off and I gave her a big hug and I said, 
girlfriend, I was really uh, like a little worried you didn't get off the bus there. And she said, I know, mom, I didn't know because it didn't look like our street. And I said, I get that. I figured you were kind of turned around. I would probably do that too. I was like, I'm sorry, were you scared? And she goes, no, I was talking to my friends. And I said, okay, good. Well, I didn't want want you to ever feel scared. You know that if that ever happens again and you end up being the last person on the bus, they will get you back to mommy and mommy will be there. She's like, oh yeah, for sure. So, and then it was just no big deal. And she didn't understand my panic. Valerie just gave her a big hug and said, we missed you. Why were you late? And, but it took a whole lot of it on my part. And so I just want to reiterate because I think it is like a big piece of your homework for this episode is to really check your own mindfulness practice when it comes to your, when you think about parenting specifically. Totally. I think what you did for her was also really key is that you normalized her embarrassment. Yeah. You know, it's something with teaching anything, definitely teaching yoga and meditation that as teachers, we have to do because the human experience can be weird. And sometimes we think we're the only ones that feel the way we feel. And there's such healing in realizing that everybody has these same emotions. If you're living, breathing human with a brain and and a nervous system, you feel everything. And so for her to have you normalize that and say, I would have felt like that too. It's no big deal. It's, you know, it happens. There's a real healing for her that happens to be able to be honest and seen and be like, yeah, no, no problem. I would feel embarrassed also. Like whether you're a child or an adult, I mean, everybody needs to hear that, how they're feeling is not weird or out of the norm. There's nothing wrong with you. You know what I mean? Yes, I agree. That's a big like mantra in our house. Everybody is unique. Everybody has their own way and their own journey. It's not up to us to try to, you know, make you one way. I'm just going to help you along your path. But when she's an experience, when she, when I recognize something that she's going through, I really do try especially because she is my mini me. She suffers from all the same like ridiculous quirks that I had that were super annoying that will probably make her a wonderful, wonderful, successful woman. But right now they're just like little like, and so I try not to dim them because I know how it feels when people did that to me when I was younger, you know, like sit down, Misty, you get up too much. You talk too much, you know, you talk too fast. Well, it turns out all of that's really helped me in my career. So I hope that that will be Ella too. And so I try to not squash it, just help move it along and make sure she knows that I understand how she feels. Um, and I'm going to continue to tell her that I know there'll come a point where she's like, you don't know how I feel. Um, you never went through this, but then we'll weather that storm and they'll get out of their teens. And then that's where they're supposed to really love us. Just by the way. Yeah. It's with, with normalizing how they feel, you know, I, I haven't since COVID, but I was going into the middle school here to teach seventh and eighth graders mindfulness. And I would open the sessions by saying, I know at this age that you guys are at, you have really big stuff going on and you have really big feelings that I know probably aren't always recognized by all the adults in your life. And when I open with that, they all stop what they're doing and look at me with the biggest eyes, like, oh my God, how does she know she's speaking our language? Because I don't think with kids, we always honor 
the big feelings because sometimes they're annoying. Like we have our own agenda about the day and our kids having this meltdown and we're tired and we don't always do the best job in honoring their big feelings. But, but so often it's like, we don't need to problem solve for them. We just need to be the container and let them process what's going on. You know, and I think as parents, we want to problem solve everything, but some stuff just needs to be processed by the kid in a safe, safe place. Sometimes you just got to figure it out. I actually tell her that I'm like, I could fix this problem for you, but I think you can figure it out. And she's like, oh, seriously, it's way up high. And I'm like, well, I've seen you get stuff you want way up high. So get creative. (laughs) That's me being lazy on the couch and her wanting to be up high. (laughs) Get creative. You can do it. Yeah. Be careful. There's a uh, school psychologist I follow on Instagram. I think her name is Rebecca Brandsetter. I'll put it in the notes, her link, but she has something that um, I use a lot with my kids when they're having an overwhelming feeling, I'll say, do you want to problem solve this with me? Or do you want me to just leave you alone to process it? And I give them the choice. And what happens though, is you have to really watch if they are always saying, I just want to process and they never want to problem solve. You want to encourage them to problem solve with you. Or maybe on the flip side, I don't know. I would rather have them problem solve, but I have to honor if they just want to process. So giving them the choice, like how annoying is it for you as an adult when you're in a mood and somebody just wants to pick and ask questions and help you figure it out. Sometimes you're like, leave me alone. I just want to stew and get through this on my own. Kids feel the same way. Like how annoying to have somebody overbearingly always fix stuff for you. And so when they're old enough, giving them that choice. And also I think in closing for me, it's what you said, like when they get to teenagerhood, you know, my biggest job, and maybe I'll say our biggest job as parents is to love them and honor them for who they are and not who we want them to be. So true. We have Ella in soccer right now and we were good athletes and we have a very competitive nature. And I think she's my more creative artistic and I, I think she's going to be uber successful, but I just don't know that sports are her jam. And we looked at each other last week and we literally out loud made a conscious decision. She, she's having fun and that's, what's important. She doesn't need to go to college scholarship, you know, like yeah. it's okay. And so now I'm actually just like letting that go and it feels much better. Like as long as she's smiling and she's having fun, I'm okay with it. Totally. And it's like, she's her. She's not me. She just wants to have fun and sometimes pick flowers and have friends. <laughs> Go for it if that's what brings you joy. And so I've, I agree with you. Like, don't try to mold them into what you want them to be because no. they're their own little special person. All right. I think in closing, here's a little good point of homework. And I share this because it's something that I work on every day, right? we are raising individuals. We're not raising little clones of ourselves. And so looking at the ways where your inner struggle with your kid is because you're expecting them to be a way that they aren't. And can you just take a moment when you feel that feeling and instead in your head, go and make a list of all the things that's great about your kid. And that'll help kind of redirect that annoyance into just real appreciation 
of exactly who they are, because that is all they need from us is for us to love them unconditionally in all ways for exactly who they are, not who we think they should be or who we want them to be. I think this is going to be a very inspiring message for most parents listening, because just know we're here. We're weathering the same storms that you guys are. It's rough a lot, but there are little joys. And if you keep the connection going and you just keep being mindful about that, all the rest of the stuff will fall into place. That's my hope at least. Yes. (laughs) Cheers to that. (laughs) Cheers. Thanks, Lauren. Thanks, Misty. Bye-bye. Thank you so much for listening to Mindful Talk. We don't take it lightly that you spent your time listening to our podcast, and we are forever grateful. If you'd like to support the podcast, please subscribe on your favorite podcast platform and leave us a rating and a review. Welcome to a more mindful way of living and working.